a shout of praise? Can you lift up a shout of praise? Give the Lord a hand clap. Listen, we're not done yet. We're going to continue. But I, I sense the Lord in this place tonight. Do you sense the Lord in this place tonight? You know, sometimes when, when the Lord starts to move, we like to take an opportunity to just teach a little bit, just real briefly. But how, how many of you in here tonight, that was the first time you ever experienced tongues and interpretation? First time you ever heard it? You got a couple, right? A few people, that's the first time you ever experienced it. So you know that we believe the Lord speaks in a variety of ways. And most of the time, He chooses to speak through His people. He speaks through Scripture. He speaks through His Word. But also, He chooses to speak through His people. And But... But that just means that what he chose is he chose to use this, this woman here in, in, in the gift of tongues. And she, she knew that because it was a manifestation of God's spirit on her life. And the thing is, is she was completely in control because she looked over at me and she said, I've got a word. Can I give it? And I said, yes, you can. And then in that moment, the Lord began to give me an interpretation. And so I, so I began to, as the spirit moved me, give that interpretation. And see, the spirit moves people this way. And we want to be open to how the Spirit moves in whatever way He chooses to do so. Amen? And I wasn't thinking about it whenever I got the Word, but the first word that came to my mind whenever she began to give that message was that the enemy has come to silence your voice. And I thought, wow, God, that's a powerful word. And then so I got up and I give the word about the enemy wanting to silence our voice and the Lord saying to lift up your voice. And I, just, and I immediately, after I got down and I sat over there, I thought about, about Caitlin back here because how, how many... First of all, y'all enjoying our worship team? Listen, they, there's something powerful about this group of people because, because I'm watching them slowly begin to understand what worship is really all about. Because they're not just playing songs because we like to hear songs. They know it's about worship and it's about the presence of God. And, and this, this young lady, they're all awesome, but I want to share something with you about this young lady because after I thought about the word that God had given... Um, tonight we, she was she was almost not going to sing tonight and thank god she did amen and and she came and but 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 the issue is is that she had her wisdom teeth removed and she's got a dry socket right now so i don't know if i don't know if any of y'all have ever had one of those but it's as painful as you can imagine and so she said i don't think i'm going to be able to make it and we prayed for her about two o'clock and we said, look, whatever you choose, whether you want to sing or whether you want to stay at home, that, that, that's fine because we, we can imagine and you've got to go to school tomorrow, you've got things to do. But, but we prayed for her and she said, you know what, I think I can sing tonight. I'm going to sing tonight. And, and I asked her earlier, I don't know, how's it feeling right now? You feeling okay right now? She's feeling good right now, praise God. So we prayed, we believed God for healing. But listen, you know what the enemy comes to do sometimes? He, try, he tries to use pain. He tries to use circumstances to silence your voice. And he wanted to silence her voice tonight because let me tell you something. A worship service is not just a worship service. When the people of God choose to come together and say, you know what, we're going to lift up one voice and sing about who our God is and sing about who our God says we are. And as we sing, we know that the forces of darkness are going to be driven back. Lives are going to be changed. And there's going to be an encounter in God's presence. I'm telling you. And I'm telling you, he couldn't silence her voice tonight. He couldn't silence her voice tonight. Listen, he can't silence your voice either. He's not going to silence our voice. We're here tonight 
to worship the Lord. And that's what this is. This is a worship night. We come simply to, to come into God's presence. And that's what I want to share with you a little bit. We're going to worship for, for a little bit longer. But I want to share just a brief word with you. Is that okay? Okay, so, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you sit just for a moment. But I want you to stay in a posture of worship even as you sit. You can keep those lights down, Brian. You don't have to turn them on. But I just want you to sit and relax in the presence of God just for a moment. I, I want to talk just for a moment about the presence of God and how valuable it is. Because listen, Christianity is not just about church services and knowing scripture and knowing different things like that. But it is a living reality with a real God who is in our midst. And His presence is available to us. And we live from His presence. And we have to learn as a body of Christ, we have to learn to value the presence of God. I remember in my own life when I was in all sorts of addictions and bondage and sin that I could not get out of, it was at the point when I realized, man, I have got to understand worship and I've got to understand the presence of God that chains begin to break and things begin to move in my life. I can remember walking out into a field whenever I had all kinds of just things going on in my life and, and struggling with different sins and different things that held me up. And I can remember lifting my arms for the first time. And listen, nobody was around. It was just me and God. But I can remember lifting my hands for the first time and saying, Lord, I love you. I don't even really know who you are, but I love you. And I know you can change my life. And all of a sudden, the presence of God began to activate in my life and things begin to change. Now, the scripture reveals over and over again how important the presence of God is. And one man specifically that knew exactly how important the presence of God was was a guy named David. How many of y'all know about David? This man valued the presence of God above any other thing in his life. Matter of fact, he says, my flesh, my flesh and my soul, my spirit, everything is crying out for the living God. Because he knew that he had to live from and in the presence of God. He knew that. Matter of fact, it, it became so important to him that he revolutionized what worship really was. Because up until that point, worship for the most part had been people simply coming in and offering up blood sacrifices. But David says, Lord, I realize that it's really not the burnt offering and the blood sacrifice that you want. You want a pure heart of worship. You want a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And when he came to that realization, you know what he actually did? He actually created a tabernacle where there would be people worshiping God, playing music 24-7, nonstop, around the clock. Why? Because he knew the presence of God was that valuable. And he knew that God inhabited the praises of his people. And he said, why should we ever stop praising God? Why should we ever stop worshiping? He hired people to worship full time, around the clock. Because he said, if we're going to live from God and for God's purpose and His will, we're going to have to have the presence of God. And that was such a reality in his life. And, and at one point, and in your Bible, you can read this later. I'm not going to read all of it. But in your Bible, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, when David becomes king, he realizes that the Ark of the Covenant has been at this guy's house named Abinadab for 70 years. And he says, I want to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now, we, we say the Ark of the Covenant, well, what in the world does that mean? What's that got to do with anything? The Ark of the Covenant represents Jesus. And the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence and the glory of God. And David knew that. Now, put that picture up of, that, of the Ark of the Covenant. You see that? And that's what it looks like. It just looks like a gold box. Doesn't look like that big a deal, does it? But there's something very interesting about this gold box because this gold bo box dwelt in a place called the Holy of Holies that only one man could enter into once a year. And this is where the presence of God was. 
And nobody could enter in. One man, the high priest, entered in once a year through a veil and he would apply blood, the blood of bulls and goats. He would apply a sevenfold sprinkling to the, this Ark of the Covenant and each year he would atone and pay for the sins of Israel. Now one of the things that's so interesting about this particular box is it had three things in this box. There were three things in this box. One of the things that were in, was in this box was called the stone tablets and that's where the Ten Commandments were. It's what the Ten Commandments were written on. And God says, look, I made a covenant with you that if you keep these Ten Commandments, you're going to be blessed. If you break them, you're going to be cursed. And as soon as God made the Ten Commandments and wrote them on those stone tablets, Moses brings them down to the people. And do you know what they're doing as soon as the Ten Commandments are, are instituted? They're worshiping another God. They're running around naked, running half crazy. It's like Woodstock at the bottom of that hill. I mean, they were going nuts. And it represented our lawlessness. It represented the fact that we can't keep God's law. He's holy and we're not. And they put, and God said, put that in the box. And he said, but there's something else I need you to put in the box. I need you to put a bowl of manna in the box. And the bowl of manna represented God's provision. Just like how Donald was talking about this morning, how God provides for us everything we have need of. But you know, sometimes when God's providing for us, instead of thanking God, we complain and we murmur and we test God and we doubt God and we get angry at God and we get frustrated at God. And the Bible says that even though God was providing them food to eat every day, they hated that manna. And they tested God. And the Bible says because they tested God, they fell in the wilderness. And God said, as a reminder of your grumbling and your complaining and your doubt, put that manna in the box. And there was a third thing, and it was Aaron's rod that budded. It was like a big stick that the dude had, you know, and it represented his authority. But what happened with this rod that budded was that there were people in the congregation that came up against him and Moses and said, look, you boys take too much stuff on yourself. You guys think you are special. You know what? We're a little bit, we're just as special as you are. And they rebelled against their authority. And Aaron said, all right, we'll put this to the test. You lay your rods out, I'll lay my rod out. And whichever one buds is the one that God has chosen. And they laid their rods out and Aaron's rod budded. And then all of a sudden after Aaron's rod budded, they realized that they were not the chosen ones of God. That they had rebelled against the authority that God placed in their life. And they were destroyed. They were swallowed by the earth, the scripture says. And so God says, put that in the box. And I'm thinking, Lord, why in the world would you put this stuff in the box? And the Lord begins to say to me, because Jesus is the better Ark of the Covenant. Because what happens is, is Jesus takes all of your rebellion, all of your grumbling and your complaining, all of your lawlessness and your sin, and He takes it inside of Himself. And it's laid upon Him, and He hides it inside of Himself. And when He hides that sin and that lawlessness and that rebellion inside of Himself, then He says, I've got all this upon me. I became sin who knew no sin. But yet I'm taking that sin to the cross, and that's where that sin is going to die. And on that cross, with all of our sin upon Him, he is, He's on the cross, and He cries out one last cry, and He says, It is finished. And you know what happens when He says that? The veil that were, was keeping people away from this presence of God, away from the Ark of the Covenant, was torn from the top to the bottom. And He said, in the Old Testament, people could not enter into the presence of God, but right now I'm telling you that I have made all of you priests unto God. And if you're willing to come by faith in what Jesus has done for you on the cross, your sins have been dealt with. You can be forgiven if you're willing to confess and repent of your sin. You can be washed clean. He will hide your sin inside of Himself. 
and murder it on the cross. And he does that and the access is opened up and they can enter into the Ark of the Covenant. Now David knows this is important, right? He says, Old Testament, that wasn't how it was, so they needed the presence of God in that place. They needed the presence of God badly. And here's one of the things that David knew. 1 Samuel chapter 5 talks about how one time the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant. They stole the presence of God and they took it and put it in the temple of Dagon, which was a false god, a fish god, a god of fertility. And they said, you know what we'll do? We'll put the Ark of the Covenant right next to Dagon. And so they did it and it's sitting there next to their false god and when they put it there, they wake up the next morning, they come in and that false god is laying face down before the Ark of the Covenant. They said, well, that's weird. You know, Dagon shouldn't be doing that. Let's, let's help him out. Let's put him back up. So they set their false god back up. They come back the next day. And this time he's not only face down, but his head is broken off and his arms are broken off. They said, man, maybe we need to do something about this. Maybe we need to let Dagon go. They get frightened because of the Ark of the Covenant. But see, what this means is that the presence of God is the most powerful thing in your life. Because all of your false gods, all of your sins, all of your bondage, all of your addiction, the more you come into the presence of God, the more and more your false gods and your addictions and your sin is being destroyed piece by piece. When you come into the presence of God, day by day your sin is beginning to bow before the presence of God. Your addictions and your struggles and your complaints and your grumbling and everything you're dealing with, it begins to break apart in the presence of God. But as long as we're never in the presence of God, they'll stand straight up. They'll have power over us. But in the presence of God, all of a sudden these things lose their power. Satan loses his power over your life in the presence of God. He loses his power. David knows this. He says, boys, we have got to get the Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem because there is a power in God's presence that is unheard of. So in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, he gets 30,000 guys. Now, that's a lot of dudes to go get a box, ain't it? And he says, all right, we're going to go get this thing. And he heads out, and they're going to get it. And you know what he does? He starts playing music. They start celebrating before the Lord just like we're doing, and they're having a good time. Because you know what? David understands the power of music. He was playing the harp for Saul when Saul was, was, had a distressing and a tormenting spirit on him. And the Spirit of the Lord would move when he would start to play his instruments, just like they're playing. The Spirit of the Lord would begin to move, and what would happen? It would drive that unclean spirit away from Saul. He knew about that power, so they start playing, and, and, they're, and they're playing with all these instruments, and all of these things are happening. And The Bible says something, though, unique about what they're doing, because it says that they put the ark on an ox cart. On an ox cart. Now you say, well, no big deal. You've got to carry it somehow, right? Let the ox carry it. But the Bible specifically says that it's not an ox or any man-made thing that can carry the presence of God. Only a priest can carry the presence of God. See, the presence of God cannot be carried by a church building or a church organization or a worship team. The, church, the, the, the presence of God can only be carried by priests of the Most High God. And by the blood of Jesus, you have become a priest of the Most High God. And let me tell you something. You have a responsibility to dwell in the presence of God and become a carrier of God's presence in your life. But the problem is, is they didn't recognize that. And they said, it's going to be heavy. Let's just put it on the ox cart. Let the ox take it. So they put put it on the ox cart. They did it the way God was. You weren't supposed to do it. And this guy named Uzzah, which is a great name if you're having children. We got a lot of children coming out. Name your son Uzzah. 
He reaches out and he touches the ark because it's falling over. And the scripture says that when he touches the ark, he's stricken and, he's, and he dies instantly. That's messed up. I think, God, what in the world? Are you going to kill a dude over this? And the Lord said, well, I, you know, I'm revealing my holiness, but what I want you to understand is that Jesus is the better ark of the covenant. He said, because in the Old Testament, no one could touch that ark lest they should die. But he said, the true ark of the covenant came in Jesus Christ. And while the ark of the covenant could not be handled by anyone, Jesus said, I want everyone to handle me. So much so that a woman with an issue of blood pressed through to touch the hem of her garment. And when she touched him, she, was, she did not die, but she was made completely whole. And the Bible says that many would come to Him and when they would come to Jesus, when they would come to Him, it says they would sometimes line up and gather around Him and it says as many as touched Him were made completely whole. See, while the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, you touch that, you die. When you touch Jesus, you live. And there is nothing that is holding you back from Him any longer. There's no veil. There's no holiness standard that's saying you can't come to Jesus. We come to Jesus broken as we are and He begins to clean us up in His presence. And so David says, all right, boys, we got to bring this Ark of the Covenant in, but Uzzah dies. David gets upset. He gets angry. He says, how am I going to get the Ark of the Covenant? How am I going to get the presence of God into Jerusalem and, and, and God just going around killing people like this? And so he says, i tell you what we'll do. We'll put the Ark of the Covenant at Obed-Edom's house, which is another great name for y'all that are having children. Obed-Edom's house, and we'll, we'll leave it there for a minute. And they leave the Ark of the Covenant at Obed-Edom's house for about three months. And finally, about three months in, a guy comes to David and he says, Listen, ever since the Ark of the Covenant has been at Obed-Edom's house, like he has just been blessed beyond his wildest dreams. I mean, you cannot imagine what's going on over at Obed-Edom's house with him and his family and how much he's being blessed. we got to go get that ark back. And David said, all right, let's do it. But we're going to do it the right way this time. He said, get the priests. Let's go. Let's get our stuff. Let's go out to Obed-Edom's house. And they begin to bring the Ark of the Covenant out of Obed-Edom's house. Now, here's what's interesting about Obed-Edom. is He is blessed at his house, and he's got all kinds of stuff. He's got land. He's got animals. He's got everything you could imagine. But when they take the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, you know that Obed-Edom leaves his house and he becomes a gatekeeper in the house of God? Because he says, boys, I like my house and I like my job and I like all that stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather be in the courts of the Lord one day than live the rest of my life over in that old house over there. He said, because I know, I know that the presence of God is what matters in my life. And he was a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord for the rest of his life because he knew the value of God's presence. And as they're bringing it back home and they're carrying it on this thing, now this time they're a little bit more hesitant. And the scripture says that every six steps that they took carrying this back into Jerusalem, every six steps that they took, they would stop and offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Now six... Six is, a, is kind of a scary number in the Bible because we know the Antichrist, what's his number? It's 666, right? It's spooky. But six is the number of man and six is the number of flesh. And what he's saying is, is you have to come to a place in your own experience of worship that you recognize your lawlessness, you recognize your sin, you recognize your flesh, you recognize your struggle because I bet you are just like me and I got struggles just like everybody else. 
and I deal with things. And I have to cast myself over and over and over again on the Lord. Even before I get up to speak, I say, Lord, I got nothing if you don't use me. I got nothing if you don't speak through me. If your presence doesn't show up, none of my words matter. Nothing matters. And every six steps, we have to stop to offer up a sacrifice of praise and worship and say, Lord, we are completely dependent on you. If you do not show up in our lives, we're going to be bound. We're going to be broken. Nothing is going to work in our lives. See, because sometimes people try to manipulate the presence of God. Let me tell you something. You can't control God's presence. You can't control God's spirit. You can't tell God when to move. The only thing you can do is offer up a sacrifice of praise and say, Lord, I'm yours. I offer my body as a living sacrifice because I am not my own and I'm offering it to you now. But here's what happens. When we begin to offer the sacrifice of ourselves to God in worship and in praise, all of a sudden the presence of God begins to come into our homes, begins to come into our lives, begins to come into our communities. But I'm telling you something, church, if we do not understand and learn to value the presence of God, that it is, it's not going to come into our lives like that. And God is saying it's time. Just like he said in the beginning, the enemies tried to silence your voice. And the Lord is saying it's time that you recognize that we got to usher in the presence of God. we got to place value on this. Every six steps of my life, I gotta, every six steps, i got to offer up a sacrifice of praise. i got to say, Lord, you're in control. Every six steps. And so finally, once they realize that they've made it and they're coming into Jerusalem, the Bible says they, they lift up a shout of praise. Let me tell you something. When God says lift up a shout of praise in the Bible, He doesn't say all y'all who are extroverted lift up a shout of praise. I'm the most introverted human being on the planet almost. But I'm going to do what God says. And if He tells me to lift my hands and lift up a shout of praise, I'm going to lift my hands and lift up a shout of praise. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And the Bible says that David, he, he... he unrobes himself. He's got all these kingly robes on. And the Bible says he unrobes himself and he starts to dance before the Lord with all of his might in a linen ephod. Now, I always heard it teach that David was basically naked. That's not what that means. What it means, because that, that would have been super weird, wouldn't it? I mean, if anybody come in here and was dancing naked, we'd be like, all right, let's escort them out of here right quick. The dude wasn't naked. What he was saying is, is he took off his kingly garments before the common people and began to worship alongside of the common people as if he was just one of them. And what happened was, is David's wife, as he's coming in and dancing before the Lord with all his might, you know how that dance is. I mean, he, he was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And when he did, his wife was up in the house looking through the window and she looked down and she saw him. She saw him down there dancing and she, it says that she despised him. And she just looked down at him. She said, Mm-mm, I don't like that. And David brings in, and man, they are celebrating. They're praising God because the presence of God's coming back into Jerusalem. They're dancing all over the place. They're singing. They got the music going. Everything's happening. And he feeds the people and blesses the people. And then he says, all right, now I'm going to go home and bless my home. And when he walks in, his wife says, yeah, you look real good out there today, David. Behaving like one of them bass fellows. And, and, he said, and she said, she said, how are you going to unrobe yourself like that before just these common people? And they, David said, let me tell you something, woman. He said, I wasn't doing it for them, and I wasn't doing it for you. He said, I was doing it before the Lord my God who chose me to be king. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of you all, some of you all, you need to take off some of your kingly robes on occasion. 
I, I, know, I know that you are dignified and you don't want to get up and praise God and sing and get a little bit crazy sometimes. I know you don't want to have no fun in the house of God. But David said to his wife, he said, let me tell you something, I'll be even more undignified than this. He said, I'll play music before the Lord, I'll dance before the Lord, because my God is important to me, and I give Him the praise and the glory and the honor that He deserves. You can't stop me from praising God. And they bring it in. I'm telling you, some of us, we got to take off that robe of pride. He said, I'm going to humble myself before the Lord. I'm going to give God worship. I'm going to value His presence. And you know that the Scripture says, this is sad, but the Scripture says about his wife that she was not able to have children for the rest of her life, that she was barren for the rest of her life. And why, I'm thinking, why would you even add that at the end of this? And I think it's because the Lord wants to make a point that when we do not understand worship, sometimes we remain unfruitful and we remain barren because we're not willing to give our whole lives to God in worship. And I know some people say, well, you know, I just wasn't raised in that kind of church, Clay. Well, that ain't got nothing to do with what God says. Doesn't matter where you was raised. It matters what the Lord is calling us to. And sometimes we have to take off those old robes of what daddy said or what church said or what this denomination said or what this religion said. Because let me tell you something. Religion despises extravagant worship. Religion hates worship. Doesn't want anybody to get free. Doesn't want anybody to step into the presence of God. Doesn't want spiritual gifts to operate. Doesn't want God to move in somebody's life. Doesn't want God to set anybody free. But let me tell you something. We want God to do whatever God wants to do in our lives. And I think sometimes whenever we just begin to sing and whenever we just begin to praise God, let me tell you something. Whenever we just begin to sing together, lift our hands and praise and worship God, I believe that all of a sudden there's some fruitfulness and there's some breakthrough and there are things that are birthed in the presence of God that will not happen in any other place. It won't happen in any other place. We have to be willing to come to the presence of God. So here's, here's where we're at. Right now, there, there's some people in here right now, and you need to deal with your lawlessness. You need to deal with your rebellion. You need to deal with your murmuring and your complaining. One place Jesus says, look, when you come to offer your gift, when you come to offer your sacrifice of praise, if you have anything against your brother, make it right with your brother first. Then come and offer this sacrifice of praise. So some of you need to deal with that. Some of you need to learn to, to, to forgive, to let some things go. And some of you need to put your sin under the blood of Jesus Christ. Now others of us, like I said, we just need to take some robes off and get free. Anybody amen me? Yeah, y'all are, y'all are getting free right now. And we need, we need to come into the presence of God. And listen, we still got some worship left. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. Close your eyes just for a moment because I want to I give some people an opportunity. I don't know where you're at with Jesus. I don't know what you've believed up to this point. But here's the thing. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus and you've never said in your heart, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to become a disciple. I, wanna, I want you to save me from my sin. And I believe that you died for my sin. I believe that you washed me in your blood. I believe that you cleanse me, that you give me new life, that you give me a new spirit. And I want to confess you as Lord. And I want today to be the day that I begin to follow you and make you the Lord of my life. If that's you, raise your hand real high where I can see it. We got a bunch of people that just raised their hand right there. So praise God. Now here's the other people. 
that I'm, that I'm calling. And I'm going to ask, at the end of this, we're going to ask everybody to come forward if we will. But the other group of people is, you, you know you got some robes on you that just need to come off. Some of those robes are pride. Some of those robes are fear. Some of those robes are frustration or just different things. And, and you just realize at this point that I'm not as free as Jesus paid for me to be. I'm not as free as Jesus paid for me to be. And in the presence of God, I'm telling you, I believe that tonight when we make a step forward, we're going to sing some songs. And I'm telling you, as we sing and as we pray, I believe chains are going to break. Amen. So if that's you, I want you to just lift your hands right now as as an offering. Just say, Lord, that's me. I I want to take some robes off tonight. We're going to get down to the linen ephod. All right, I want you to pray this with me. And you just pray it. I'm going to pray it fast, but you can just pray it in your own words because it's not about a repetition of a prayer. But Lord, right now we just pray and we confess, Jesus, that you are Lord of all. That you have power and authority over all things because, Lord, it's you who created the heavens and the earth. And Lord, you created me. And your presence does not dwell on any man-made thing, but your presence dwells in a God-made thing. And that's me. And so I confess my sin to you right now, Lord. And I declare that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. And I thank you, Lord, that not only did you die for my sin and you took my sin upon that cross, but you were raised again from the dead on the third day. And I believe that with all of my heart. And right now I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me, to cleanse me, and to put a new heart and a new spirit on the inside of me. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill me so full of your Holy Spirit that nothing would come out of me but pure worship every day of my life. And that every six steps, I would come before your altar in your presence again to offer up a sacrifice of praise and say, Lord, receive my prayer, receive my praise, receive my worship. And Lord, right now, God, I thank you, I thank you, for, I thank you for Caitlin, Lord. And I thank you, God, that, you're just, that you did heal her and you're continuing to heal her. And Lord, right now in this place for people that are dealing with sicknesses and diseases and all sorts of other things, if you need healing right now, lift your hand. Let me see you. Lift your hand. So, Lord, right now, there's diseases, there's sicknesses, there's pains, and you took them on the cross too, Lord Jesus, along with our sin. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, we just declare that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we have been healed. And, Father, we ask that right now you would just begin to move in everybody from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord, that you would begin to fill them with your Spirit and heal them, spirit, soul, and body, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now listen, if, you, if, you, if you've decided to give your life to the Lord, the only thing I want you to do is I want you to tell somebody tonight. I want you to tell somebody, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus now. I'm giving my life to the Lord. I want to follow Jesus. I want you to tell somebody. But here's what else I want you to do. Right now, if you need prayer for anything, for any reason whatsoever, I want you to begin to come forward right now. Don't be afraid. We're, just, we're going to get into worship here in a minute all together. We're going to get into worship again here, not here in a minute, just all together. Now, some of you all that, that aren't afraid to pray for people, I want you to gather around behind them. Just gather around behind them. Because let me tell you what. Let me tell you something. Here's what the Lord has said tonight. That you, guess what? You have a voice, don't you? And there's something about it, but, but we want to pray for you. And some of, some of you all, you're going to be led to pray for some of these people, and I want you to do that. And if the Lord gives you something to share with them, I want you to do that. 
But, but the thing is, is that you have a voice as well, and God hears your prayer. And when you, you can speak to your sickness, you can speak to your bondage, and you can tell that thing to be removed from you. And you speak to that thing, you open your voice. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time, and we're going to pray together just one last time. And as we do this, I want you we're going to play about four more songs. Is that all right with everybody? We're going to play about four more songs. But now we're going to play, and we're going to sing these songs with this in mind. That when we sing with our whole hearts and we worship God with our whole hearts, we usher in the presence of God into our lives. And He's going to inhabit this place and He's going to begin to move in your life. And I I guarantee you, if you will take some robes off, you may find yourself closing your eyes and entering into a place in worship that you've never been before. And I believe that God's presence is going to bless you. Amen. So listen, some of you all, 